Welcome in to the Who Day Den. Wow, we stop me if you've heard this one before, but the Bengals get a blowout win against Baltimore. Yeah, for the second time this season. This time by a score of 41 to 21. Not just a blowout, not just a good home win, not in a must-win game, not just against your division rival. It was a record-breaking performance against the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to put this one out here from the start. This is my one asterisk of the show. Yes, I know Baltimore had injuries and COVID issues on both sides of the ball. I am well aware of that, and I'm sure that impacted some of how this game went. But to me, this does not make that the performance any less impressive. That being said, Joe Burrow with a franchise record, 525 passing yards, fourth most in NFL history. I mean, he's like a 30-yard touchdown away from an, an NFL record. Absolutely outrageous. A guy in his second season. We, I feel like as fans, forget that sometimes. He is in his second season and did not even play a full first season. He did not even have a off season of just honing his craft. He was rehabbing an injury. This guy, what he's doing in his second season with this team is absolutely outrageous and should be praised. His 941 passing yards against the Ravens this year, now the most in NFL history by a quarterback against a single opponent in one season. The names of the guys he passed in this game, Dan Marino and Joe Montana, a couple of eh, pretty good quarterbacks, and Joe Burrow passes them on that list as well. And if you look at Baltimore's franchise history, the quarterbacks that have passed for 400 yards or more and three touchdowns in a game against the Ravens. That list is Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and now Joe Burrow two times. Joe Burrow twice this season has done something that in franchise history only four other quarterbacks had done. Some of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Not the greatest in NFL history, but guess what? Won some Super Bowls. Some elite company that Joe Burrow is in early on in his career here. And this was a dominant performance from the offense. I I don't want to get much into the defense. I'm not sure there were any huge takeaways from the defense this game that we're going to carry over into future matchups. I didn't think they played extraordinarily well, necessarily. It seemed like they were a little bit soft in coverage for the majority of the day, maybe having a big lead had something to do with that. But to let a third string quarterback kind of carve you up the way that Josh Johnson did today was, I wouldn't say concerning. It wasn't the most dominant defensive performance by any means. But again, I don't know how much of that's going to carry. We've seen what this defense has done. We didn't have DJ Reader today. That played a, a big part in it as well. Trey Hendrickson still did his thing. He got a sack. Von Bell caught an interception today. Like, there's a lot that that did go right for this team today. So I don't really care to talk about the defense much. I want to talk about this offense. And coming off an ugly win last week, I was down on the Bengals offense as a whole. Thought there were some things we were seeing that could be concerning. Some things that if, if you do it against a better team than Denver, you're going to lose those games more often than not. I might have underestimated Denver's defense. I saw a lot of people after the game saying, but Denver's got a really good defense. And they do. I knew they had a good defense. 
but I might have underestimated how good their defense is. And Warren Sharp, who does a lot of great analytics work, uh, NFL analytics and stuff for sharpfootballanalysis.com, he put out a tweet earlier in the week before the Bengals game uh, against the Ravens here. After the Bengals had played the Broncos and put up 15 points, he put up a chart showing how dominant Denver's defense had been since week eight. The offenses that the Broncos had faced were averaging 16.6 points per game. 16 and a half ish points per game against the Broncos defense. Those very same teams, same exact offenses, the exact following week, the very next game after facing the Denver defense, those offenses were averaging 38 and a half points per game. All of those teams had won their next matchup after facing Denver. The Bengals game was a TBD at the at the time of this tweet, but I would say adding to that, adding to that narrative, that, that theory, that after playing the Broncos defense, your offense is uh, usually tested pretty well there against Denver. We put up 41 today and took home a win. So maybe I was a little too harsh last week on the Bengals. Again, at, the, at that point, you're taking a win as a win. You, you've got a road game that you needed to have against somebody that was kind of hanging around in the wild card picture. You just take it for what it is. Maybe there's not a whole lot to take from that game against Denver and project out into future matchups. I don't know. Maybe not. And th- this game also could potentially be one of those that you don't necessarily project a ton out into other games. You can't, I don't think you can necessarily say if this offense plays like they did today against Kansas city and Cle- like we're unbeatable. Because we are. We definitely are. But is Joe Burrow going to throw for 500 yards every game? Um, no, I don't think he is. And Baltimore's secondary was decimated. You, like you, you just, it is what it is. That was a weakness and we continued attacking it. But that is, that is a promising thing that we saw. We knew Denver's defense was going to be struggling today. And they continued to attack it. They stayed aggressive. I wish they would have done more of that against the Niners who struggled in the secondary at the time we played them. Didn't feel like we challenged them enough. Didn't feel like we got the ball into the hands of our playmakers enough that game. And this time we did. We found their weakness and we kept attacking it over and over and over. Wire to wire, all gas, all game. And I think that is my biggest takeaway from this game. All gas, all game long. Didn't take any time off. Didn't take any drives off. Thank you, Martindale, defensive coordinator for the Ravens, for fueling that fire. From like Martindale about not giving you a gold jacket just yet? Uh, yeah, I did. Did that mean anything to you at all? Did it resonate with you at all? Um, I didn't think it was a necessary comment. I wouldn't say I was offended by it. I mean, I'm in year two. Who knows what's going to happen down the road, but I didn't think it was a necessary comment. Was it on your mind when you were throwing at the end for 525? maybe (laughs) Joe Burrow is a dog he is that guy he's that competitor that is going to find little ways to keep a chip on his shoulder any way he can to be motivated never be satisfied what more do you want out of your quarterback other than when you talk about talent stuff the, the intangibles the it factor what does all that mean what else could you want more than what Joe Burrow gives you he gives you the leadership on the field He has that motivation. He's got that. Everyone points to Michael Jordan as probably the greatest competitor of all time. Is he Michael Jordan? Is he going to be the greatest in the game? I don't know. 
but Michael Jordan had that something about him. And I think Joe Burrow has that something. And we saw it today. And I didn't realize that uh, Martindale's um, comments were going to be, at least publicly, I didn't think Joe Burrow would say, yeah, I, I heard that. And it motivated me a little bit. I, I kind of thought he'd play it off. I thought he'd play it off. And he's a very even keel guy in his press conferences. But for Joe Burrow to admit, yep, I heard it. Maybe a little unnecessary. Um, yes, I was thinking about it as I was passing the ball. I think the entire Bengals offense, I think Zach Taylor, I don't know if he's got an axe to grind with John Harbaugh, whether he just doesn't like the Ravens. I don't know. But the way he coached today in the aggressiveness from the start, even with 20-point leads, was something we don't see a lot out of him as a head coach. I hope he brings that same aggressiveness to other games like Kansas City, like Cleveland, to close out the season here. When you look at some of the statistical outputs from this game, there's a lot of obviously impressive things. Obviously impressive. Look at the passing numbers from Joe Burrow, obviously setting a, a, a franchise record in passing yards. 500 plus is pretty impressive. Your wide receivers putting up the, the, the games they did, especially T. Higgins, 13 targets today, most on the team, 12 catches, 194 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, that's impressive. Joe Mixon giving you 135 uh, yards of total offense, two touchdowns. Obviously, impressive. Like You can look at all those team stats. The fact that we went five for 10 on third down and two times when we didn't convert on third, we went for it on fourth and got it. I mean, in that case, you're kind of basically seven for 10 is one way to look at it. You're converting it. That's impressive. Like the, the the numbers to run 70 plays against the Ravens. This is an offense that played with tempo early on, something we we wish we would see more often. And I know that the matchup was ideal for that because we were going against a, a defense that is without some starters. So not every game maybe plays into that. You can just go tempo and move the ball however you want. But we saw the ceiling of this offense. Zero punts for the offense today. So I went to go look it up in the last 20 years. How many times? Well, first I started with just the last like four years. How many times have the Bengals done that? And they've done it once against the Browns last year, actually. I was like, well, let's go back a little bit further. I had to go back 20 years and I found another instance. Like this doesn't happen often in franchise history, obviously, that the Bengals go an entire game without punting the ball. That goes into the plays run, the number of plays total to get what 70 in a game is those are like college numbers that's like Oklahoma on a big 12 defense type of numbers and the Bengals really set the tone early on I felt going with that the tempo early even though they only got three points on the opening drive they ran 17 offensive plays in the first quarter alone how many first quarters with the slow starts have we seen Cincinnati go three and out Maybe get one first down and then three and out, you know, seven plays, six plays, eight plays in a quarter. Like that's what we had gotten used to seeing. And instead, their offense was humming along. We weren't having the self-inflicted penalties, holdings and false starts and things like that that bring the ball back and kill your drive. We weren't having any negative plays, really, that put you behind the chains. We weren't turning the ball over. Those are the ways that you let inferior teams which the Ravens were today back into a game that's how you let them keep it close and that's how the Bengals continually this year have beat themselves have, have lost games is by beating themselves 
and they didn't do it today. They ran a lot of plays and they ran them very well. I feel like we got a break early on defensively. Yes, we got the three nothing to lead, three nothing lead, then gave up a touchdown at seven to three. Seemed like Ravens were moving the ball pretty easily. What is going to happen next? Are the Bengals going to recapture the momentum? Or is, is this where they start hitting their offensive stagnancy, if that's a word, and having a few tough drives? And then the Ravens extend the lead a huge part of the game. And instead, the, the, the Bengals get a little bit of a break on third and one. There's a bobbled snap. We forced the punt. The first big break, and now we had to make them pay. And sure enough, they did. Bengals go play action under center on first down. And instead of just running it up the gut, he hits Mixon in the flat for three yards. I love that play call. I asterisked it because the Bengals have weapons all around, right? We know about the wide receiver trio. We know about Joe Mixon. The fact that too often we rely on maybe a run blocking unit that is struggling for one reason or another, and, and we run the ball up the middle for one or two yards over and over and over and hope for a big break is frustrating. This is one way running play action and just hitting Mixon in the flat. Maybe he makes a man miss, picks up five yards, 10 yards, whatever it may be. Instead, three yards, that's okay. Same same impact as if you'd run it up the middle for three yards. Second and seven, then Burrow in empty has all day to throw. And we've seen time and time again this season, if Joe Burrow has time and is not immediately under pressure and running for his life, he will make a defense pay. Boyd runs a nice little double move out and up 68 yard touchdown wide open 17 to seven. The offense made them pay for not scoring the Ravens for not scoring on that previous drive. And at that point, I tweeted that the Ravens were not going to be able to keep up offensively. And sure enough, they were not. Going back to the aggressiveness of this offense and Zach Taylor overall, another way we saw that play out, I, I didn't believe it when I first saw it. Joe Burrow had more pass attempts in the second half than he did in the first half. This is a team that had a 31-14 to 14 lead at halftime. 31 points. At halftime, double-digit lead for the entire second half. And Joe Burrow attempted 21 pass attempts in the first half, 25 pass attempts in the second half, going over 200 in the second half alone. And one drive that really encompassed this aggressiveness. The Ravens scored a touchdown to Mark Andrews, cut the lead to 34-21. So 34-21, I didn't think we were going to lose, but I thought, ah, this feels like one of those where this game final score could end up being closer than it should be. If we get conservative, I just kept waiting for that other shoe to drop. When are we going to, to have a drive where we go run, 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 punt? And it didn't happen. Ravens cut the lead to 34-21. Next drive, Joe Burrow, 8 for 8, 78 yards, touchdown. That is an emphatic answer to a touchdown drive from the Ravens. They did not attempt a run in that drive sequence. 8 for 8, 78 yards, and really didn't stop there. The next two drives with a 20-point lead, Joe Burrow still went three for six for 76 yards. They did not get conservative. They ran it, uh, what, a couple times on the last two drives with Mixon and then, you know, one kneel down, which is nice. But they did not get conservative. They kept attacking that weakness of Baltimore. And I'm hopeful that the performance of today, the how impressive it was, leaves an impression with Zach Taylor as well. Um, to, to help him make his decisions in the future to be a little bit more aggressive and keep attacking 
the weaknesses of the other team. Another area is where Jamar Chase showed out today was in his yards after catch ability. He did it against Baltimore way back when earlier this season feels like a while ago on the 82 yard touchdown, a slant over the middle breaks a couple tackles speed breaks away touchdown, right? We've seen the, the streaks, the go routes where he's been beating guys and scoring long touchdowns. And that had kind of gone away a little bit as of the last month, six weeks, whatever it may be. But that's not the only way Jamar Chase can win. Jamar Chase can get the ball in space, and that's what they did today. He had a nice toe-tap sideline catch, but we're not talking about that. There were so many times he was running a crosser or a slant and having the ball in the middle of the field and then getting yards after catch, making guys miss, picking up seven more yards, whatever it may be. We've got guys like that. Mixon can do it. Today, we played into the strengths of T. Higgins. Let him go up and get the ball, high point the ball. His biggest strength, arguably, is his strength of hands and having arrogant hands coming down with the ball in a crowd. And we've seen that skill really blossom here in the last month or so. He did that today again. Using Uzama, using Mixon in the short passing game in lieu of just running the ball over and over. They even brought Stanley Morgan into the game put him in motion. And what's that tell us? Well, that tells us we're going to run the ball behind Stanley Morgan. And wouldn't you know, we ran a play action off of that. And it wasn't a big gainer. I think uh, it was either Uzama or Sample maybe in the flat on the other side for a few yards. But it was the fact that it was an unpredictable game plan, in my opinion. It was extremely aggressive game plan. I mentioned earlier the, the ceiling of this offense. And this isn't the first time we've scored points this year, right? We put 40 on Baltimore earlier this year we scored against Detroit did pretty well against Vegas putting up 30 plus like we've seen the offense hum before I thought though the most important thing we saw today was Joe Burrow's progression in his pocket presence not progressing through reads necessarily but as of late I have talked about my concerns about his anxiousness in the pocket and not scrambling when it seems like he should standing in there too long, holding on to the ball um, scrambling when maybe he shouldn't and he should stay in the pocket. And some of that is probably due to the offensive line struggles a bit as of late, but today Joe Burrow looked like vintage Joe Burrow. Yes. There were a few sacks. Like I think uh, Baltimore's credited with three sacks on the day. They probably should have had like seven, but Burrow was magical in the backfield evading tacklers not I, I shouldn't even say evading tacklers necessarily he was breaking tackles guys have them in their grasp and he is breaking tackles and escaping and making plays that way his pocket presence also being able to sense pressure and i felt like he did a great job of knowing when the pressure warranted him to step up in the pocket and then keep his eyes downfield and make a pass when it uh required him to slide to his left or slide to his right and move out of the pocket a bit. Sometimes he was scrambling and throwing on the run. He looked outstanding today. And again, the Joe Burrow of old. Now, will that be here to stay? I hope so. Um, I hope so against Kansas City. And again, like this is what we saw from Joe Burrow in LSU. This is what we saw his rookie year. If you remember the Eagles game last year, the Titans game last year, he had some plays that were wow plays. Like, how did he escape that? The magic of being able to evade tacklers. And and, it, and it's interesting because he does it in a way, I would say comparable to like Patrick Mahomes 
Tom Brady doesn't really evade tacklers necessarily. He has good footwork in the pocket. Lamar Jackson doesn't evade tacklers with his footwork as much as he does his speed and his agility and quickness. Patrick Mahomes isn't really the fastest guy in the world, but he has a pretty good pocket presence. And how many times is he escaping the jaws of the defense and somehow making a wild, ridiculous throw? Burrow maybe didn't make outlandish throws today that have you jumping out of your seat necessarily after breaking tackles, but he was keeping his eyes downfield and making big plays. And I think that is huge for his continued development in that area. Now there's lots more that we could talk about stats wise. I mean, is really impressive all the way around. There's, there's not a whole lot to be upset about unless you want to complain about the defense, but I'm not really in the mood to complain after this. I think this is the perfect game to take a deep breath and savor it. The season's not by any means over. Don't know if we're going to win the AFC North. Don't know if we're going to go to the playoffs. There's a few different ways this could go potentially. Things are looking up for us and that's promising. But for but 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 before even looking ahead a few games and looking ahead to the playoffs, just this moment savoring the sweep of the Baltimore Ravens. We swept the Pittsburgh Steelers this year and what that means for this franchise that has been bullied for the last few years, for a while now. We've been bullied by those guys. We've gone into those games feeling like they might hang 40 on us. We might lose by 20. And instead, we're the ones doing that to them. We're the team that next year, yes, the Ravens will have Lamar Jackson in those games. They'll have J.K. Dobbins back. Like, yeah, they'll get guys back from injury. Cool, whatever. Pittsburgh might have a new quarterback. I don't know. But whoever's there, like these are the teams. These coaches are going to be the same. John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, they're probably still going to be there. They're not looking at the Bengals on the schedule and saying, gosh, that's a team that could hang 40 on us. Their fans are going to remember these games this season and be like, they beat us twice last year. They swept us last year. And it wasn't even close. We have a franchise quarterback that wins games. This isn't necessarily intended to be an anti-Baker Mayfield ramp, but you just saw what Baker Mayfield did. A four-interception game. Has Joe Burrow had rough games? Certainly. But not only did Baker Mayfield throw four interceptions, but I can't imagine Cleveland fans feel extremely comfortable with him trying to win them games. Actually, I saw many Cleveland fans lamenting the fact that he was passing the ball in a situation where they wish they would have just run it with Nick Chubb. They don't want the ball in his hands. We have a quarterback that we want the ball in his hands at all times. We have the best wide receiver trio in the NFL, a pro bowler at 21 years old in Jamar Chase, already over a thousand yards, another 22 year old in T Higgins over a thousand yards in his second season. And then we've got Tyler Boyd, only 200 yards himself away from a thousand He's been heating up as of late, and maybe he does get there. 80 more today. He's had a, a couple good games the last few. He's got a, he's got two games to get to 200 yards. Will he get there? I don't know. I don't know if we'll have a, all three over 1,000 yards. But either way, the position that this franchise is in, and Mo Egger tweeted it out, said it perfectly after the game, the nice thing is, is it feels like we're entering the good times, and it's not. it's just the beginning of what's to come. We haven't accomplished anything yet. We haven't won the division. We don't know that we're going to the playoffs yet. But let's, again, I just want to soak in the Baltimore win, the previous Baltimore win, the Pittsburgh wins, what this team has accomplished so far, what this team has 
on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball with Trey Hendrickson, Chido Awuja, Logan Wilson, when he returns from injury, like we've got some young guys on both sides of the ball that can make plays and they are making plays as of late. It'll be a big game against the Chiefs. Again, every game has been a big game and it, it'll hopefully feel like a bit of a playoff type atmosphere at Paul Brown Stadium next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't know right now what the whole scenarios could be, what we could be playing for. I think there's a possibility we lock up the AFC North next week. Um, I think there's a possibility that if we win and Kansas City loses, maybe need some other help, we could move up even higher in the AFC standings overall. But right now the focus is beating Kansas City, winning the AFC North, and then going from there and, and we'll see what the Cleveland game holds. For right now, though, for the rest of today, whenever you're listening, the next couple of days, let's just enjoy a blowout record-setting win from the Bengals, beating the Ravens 41-21. to And we'll worry about those other things later. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootie!